Gilda, and this is Saturday Night High. This is the podcast where we get stoned and talk about Saturday Night Live. Yeah, um, this was the last episode where their title was NBC's Saturday Night. According to um, Wikipedia, the next episode they say Saturday Night Live in the in the intro. That did happen. I but then I guess according to Wikipedia, they go back to saying NBC Saturday Night, and the change doesn't become effective until season three. Um, so anyways, this aired March 19th, 1977. Very, very strange. Yeah, it aired then. Uh, this is season two, episode 16. It was hosted by Broderick Crawford. I'm turning my volume back up because it wasn't Rick. I don't think, I don't know if it was recognizing what the fuck was going on so um the host was broderick crawford and the musical guests were levon helm dr john and the meters but they were credited during the episode as the rco all-stars yeah i was a little bit confused as to what slash who the musical guest was on tonight's show um this episode really had some old white man vibes. <laughs> it really fucking did. I mean, the host was an old white man who sat. Not used to the vape. I've been smoking a lot of flour. It really fucking is, but Gilda loves her fucking weed espresso shots. The host, Broderick Crawford, he couldn't fucking stand for half his shit. He was sitting in chairs. He was like a literal old, morbidly obese white man. Yeah, he sat for the monologue, but first we had the cold open, which was Gilda Radner singing a song about, I, I guess, substitute for saccharin, and, like, it was being banned or some shit, I don't know, and there's this whole little spoken word bit of the song where Jane Curtin asked Gilda about what she weighed in college, and they kind of went back and forth for a bit, and... Like, Jane Curtin made Gilda admit that she was, like, a little bit higher than she originally said, and Gilda was, like, bitch, and that was the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, like, just more weight jokes. What are yeah. we doing? Gilda Radner is not anywhere close to being overweight. And she's talking about her range, how it's, you know, this to 125. And it's like, I remember when I weighed 125 pounds. That's never going to happen again. She's so tiny in like, this. You hit a certain point, and it's not healthy to be that little. Yeah. It was just like an odd topic for the cold open, or an odd way to present um, the topic. Yeah. Basically, she said she was going to watch, oh, something about watch me die in a car crash diet. Uh, yeah. Just not Nothing great. about, yeah, no. But, <clears throat> so the run, so the cold open was the Rondettes, and one of the three women singing backup was Linda Ronstadt, which I thought was cool. I don't Wait, know who if you know who she is. was that? Because everyone <laughs> applauded, and I was like, uh, um, okay. She was a 70s singer-songwriter, kind of soft rock. Um, her first backing band, she was like, you guys are really good. Like, you'd be a good band all on your own. And they went, and they became the Eagles. 
Oh wow, what the fuck? That's crazy. Really fucking, she was a really great singer. She retired, I want to say, a decade to a decade and a half ago because she has Parkinson's. But I did get to see her inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, so that was kind of cool. That's cool. That's just a brag on my part. And we go into the monologue. Um, my first note was, Lord, he has to sit. This bodes well. My second note was, oh, fuck, he's a radio star. Like, Yeah, he told this, like, old man actor story about going to 30 Rock to perform on the radio. And they recast him. And it was, yeah. It's like he was fired because he was late. And now, however many years later, 40-something, 50-something years later, I mean, they're giving him a second chance. And I'm like, yeah, that's what this is. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but So we went from this into the next well, okay. sketch. I honestly had more I to say about that. Thing. I was just okay. going to say, he's like, oh, let's sit back and enjoy the show. And I was like, sir, do you know why you're here? You're not here to sit back and enjoy the show. You're here to help make it happen. Anyway, carry on. Um, This next sketch, I didn't quite understand what was happening for a minute there because at first it's like Garrett Morris and Bill Murray and they're talking to Dan Aykroyd who is like a businessman losing money and he's threatening them because they're his employees and he needs to be making money instead of losing it, blah, 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 whatever. Um, So they recommend that he kills his competition and they bring in a guy who can do this and the guy who can do this is um, the samurai hitman, John Belushi. And this is one of those. Yeah, it was Samurai Hitman. But so the first part of it was like a take on like the Godfather and like the Italian mafia stuff. And so they were talking. They were talking to Don Marcello, and Don is like fa- it's like father. It's like the it's like a term of respect. Have you seen the Godfather? No, Jeez, I haven't. Christ. Okay. We're not wasting time on that when you come out, but. We gotta watch it at some point. Now, it's like, dude, my mother and I, like, that and The Sound of Music are our Christmas movies. You watch them every year. Oh, I love The Sound of Music. Right? Mm. Um, So good. But, so, yeah, they were talking to Don Marcello, and then they're like, well, we need to go to this place and talk to Don Cornelius. But the joke here is that Don Cornelius is a man's name. He was, like, a black TV show host. So it was literally just a mafia made up of men named Don? Because then they were like, well, we need to go get Don Kirshner, too. And I think he was a radio host. So it was like a mafia thing, but also a thing about guys named Don. It was, yeah. And then John Belushi came in. And I was just like, yo, guys, this is funny, but it is all the fuck over the place. Yeah, John Belushi came in. And they were telling him that the plan was for him to go into a restaurant to kill the competition. Um, And... Dan Aykroyd was like, oh, well, we can't send him into our restaurant. He'll stick out, like, a sore thumb. And then Garrett Morris goes, not really. They eat at Benny... Oh, my God. Not really. They eat at Benihana's. That was really funny to me. The subtitles, once again, said speaking foreign language for John Belushi's samurai captions. Um, There was a gross homophobic joke about John Belushi having to kiss people on the cheek. Um... And he took his sword yeah. out, and he, they were like, hey, it's negotiable. You don't need to do the kiss of death. Um, 
And then we moved into Gary Weiss, the Gary Weiss film for the week, which was him and Broderick Crawford going around New York on St. Patrick's Day, like the old sites that Broderick Crawford grew up near, around. Yeah, just interesting energy for the show. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was interesting in that it was a time capsule of New York City in the 70s. But other than that, it just seemed, I mean, obviously it's dated. We're watching it fucking almost 50 years on. But I don't know, he's, in, he's like, oh, we used to sleep in Central Park and the cops would come by in the morning and make us leave. And, you know, now it's not safe enough to do that. And it's like, well, sir, probably was never safe to do that. Um, there was a cop yeah. using handcuffs to open champagne at the parade. I, okay, the the Gary Vi- Gary Weiss no Gary Weiss piece ended with a shot of Broderick Crawford saying, "I love New York. I don't know. It's a nut house," and I related to that on like such a visceral level where it's like, there's really no part of New York that's enjoyable, but just being in New York in itself is enjoyable, and it's absolute chaos, and that's what makes it what it is. It's Great. There was a Dan Aykroyd ad, which was for $20 leather jackets, and he explains how they get their jackets to be so cheap, and it's because you rope it, you stun it, you skin it. Um, And that was the whole story. It was like there were cows behind him, and Lorraine Newman came out with, I I think it was a chainsaw? I, I don't even know. Um... So that was that whole ad. I found it kind of funny, though, not going to lie. Doctor, so this was, well, this was like Levon Helm and the RCO (laughs) All-Stars. This was Levon Helm and the RCO All-Stars singing, sing, singing, sing. Singing, sing, sing, sing. Damn it. That's amazing. Um, Yeah, no, Dr. John and Paul Butterfield were there, too. Uh, it was a straight fucking boogie. Although, why was the guy playing harmonica thrusting while he was playing harmonica? Like, that is the least thrustable instrument ever. Yeah. Like, if a man comes at me thrusting, but he's playing harmonica, that's not even a threat. I'm just going to fucking laugh. Like, what are you doing? Something clownish about that. Mm-hmm. Um... The next bit was Bill Murray as himself, and he's sitting there adjusting the camera, and he goes, he he just admits that he's scared he's not making it on the show, and he goes, it's not the material, it's me, and he sort of talked through a few different examples of times where, like, he was funny in real life, but he just can't seem to get it together when it's time for the show, and he's never as funny as, like, John Belushi or whatever. And he asks the audience for support, saying that he's a Catholic, um, which made the whole audience laugh. And he goes, that reminds me of something funny. My dad died when I was 17. Um, That's not funny. He was funny. It was like, it was... It was actually very good. I really liked it. And... I mean, I generally think Bill Murray is a pretty humorous individual. Um, I 
can honestly say the only thing I've ever seen him seriously in, and this is probably wrong, but it's the only, okay, it's the only thing I can think of at the moment is Lost in Translation. Scarlett Johansson, she was like 17. She was, I mean, she still is hot. I'm not going to lie. I'm always a bit jealous of Colin Jost. Like, Jesus Christ, he gets to go home to that. It, like, kind of really doesn't make that much sense it to doesn't me, but, but they have very similar senses of humor so like i get it but at the same time anyway um yeah bill murray named all he's one of nine and he named all eight of his siblings really really quickly and he's like i did that slow but that was just so i could just so they could hear their names on tv and it was not slow that was the joke um, anyway, he asks the audience to laugh whenever he says something. And he's like, I don't want letters. Don't send me letters. I work here at 30 Rockefeller Center, yada, yada, yada. And then he was like, oh, I, I really want to be able to say, Dad, I did it. He'd like that. And I was like, oh, I don't want to cry. The fuck, man? Yeah. It was really touching. It really fucking was. Did not expect to like that as much as I did. And I've heard about it for years, but I thought Bill Murray just like cold turned to the camera at one point and said, I don't think I'm making it on the show. I didn't realize it was a whole sketch, like a whole bit in and of itself. I just thought it was a comment. Yeah, no, and... As a representative, you know, of the dead parent community, I thought this was a oh good God, little piece. so dark, and I'm sorry for laughing, but that's really funny. That, yeah, anyway, so we go into a sketch that is a parody of I Love Lucy. It's Gilda Radner as Lucy, obviously. Um, this came on, and the audience kind of lost their shit because it was so obvious what the sketch was going to be about, or at least the scene it was parodying. Um, the scene it parodies is Lucy working at a chocolate factory. Have you seen any of that or no? No, I've never seen that. You're fine. You don't need to. I was just curious. Like, I grew up watching it because that's what my father watched me as a kid, and he liked TV Land because it played those old comforting favorite shows, which I always thought was weird until I got old, and now I get it. Um... Yeah. So, yeah, Gilda Radner. So in the I Love Lucy, Lucy's working at a chocolate factory and the conveyor belt is speeding up and they're missing the chocolates. And so they start shoving them in their mouths and their cheeks are all puffed out. I'm sure you've seen a meme or a picture. Um, But in this scenario, it's not chocolates. It's nuclear warheads. And Gilda has to put whipped cream and a cherry on top and then has to place them on a shelf. And if she needs it to slow down or stop, just pull this lever. But the lever breaks. And then she drops some bombs. And Dan Aykroyd comes back out. And, well, okay, she got scared. She drops a nuke. It was hella accurate to I Love Lucy, and I appreciated that. Like, Gilda Radner has the Lucille Ball thing down. Um, She drops, she gets scared because they're all piling up. She drops a bunch of nukes. And then Dan Aykroyd comes in, and she's like, oh, am I fired? And he's like, no, we need canned goods for 10 or 15 years. And she just does the traditional Lucy wah. Yeah, this um, had Gilda Radner doing some really good physical comedy again. Yeah. Where, like, putting the whipped cream and the cherry on top of each one, she made it funny every single time somehow, and... It was an accurate portrayal of kind of 
how I felt when I went to Starbucks and they did those buy one get one frappuccino <gasps> things. They called it frappy hour, but we called it crappy hour. And it literally looked okay, like happy so hour. So I did me. not know that there was something called a buy one get one happy hour frappy hour. Didn't know that existed. Yeah, Starbucks does that pretty often, unfortunately, for the workers. When? Can you tell me? <laughs> um, they put it on the uh, app. You just got to have the app, really. That's me. how you I get everything. I have the app. I don't check the goddamn app. Although I do scan it to pay with it so I get stars. Anyway, I don't go to Starbucks anymore because, like, you know, I'm fucking poor and I live by myself and rent is expensive. Anyway, um, that might change soon. Oh, I wanted to say that I'm starting to understand why people love, like, I got that Gilda Radner was a very beloved figure within the SNL community. I mean, she was both groundbreaking and she died young. It was super tragic. With sketches like the I Love Lucy parody thing, I'm seeing, like, why she was so loved, why she was considered, like, the best at what she did. And that is really fucking something to see. Yeah, I like seeing her do stuff like that rather than what we saw. Yeah, that was just like stereotypical. Oh, well, we have ladies and we have to do comedy. Let's have them sing something. Fuck that shit. The bumper card with the questions, it said coming up next, win a date with Charles Manson. I was like, okay. They went there. Hasn't been 10 years. Cool. Some of those are pretty funny, but some of those are a little bit uncomfortable. Like, I thought it was funny at first, and then I thought about it, and I was just like, nah, nah, I don't like this at all. Yeah. Um, Weekend Update started with Jane Curtin basically, like, sexily explaining what she's wearing, which was black mesh stockings, leather boots, and a garter belt. Uh, She goes, of course, you've all seen my bra, but let me talk about my panties. And she describes them, but then she says she's not wearing them underneath what she's wearing. And she goes from this, you know, describing what she's wearing right into serious reporter voice. And that was a good switch. I really thought that was an amazing transition, and I wish she would do more stuff like that. Like, like this is when she shines. Um <clears throat> I really thought that, yeah, she wishes she had them on. And she's like, well, therefore, you get the picture. It was just, like, so flirty and so, okay, go ahead. Imagine that. Like, daring the audience. Um, There was a joke about Roman Polanski, how he was going to quit the film business and start a babysitting service. And I'm like, cool, glad you were calling him out then. Also hasn't been 10 years. Um, Weekend Update this week was actually pretty good. They had um, Garrett Morris reporting at the Black Governor's Conference, and he's there and he says, uh, you know, the showdown that they've expected between the liberals and the conservatives to happen here isn't happening because for the third year there's nobody at this conference And he says, you know, I thought that was Lorraine's thing, going to a place where nothing is happening. You can't just do that to me. Uh, I shouldn't just be excluded because I'm black. And he basically, like, goes on talking. It was was really good uh, about just discrimination in general. And (laughs) 
uh, the whole thing ends with it going back to Jane Curtin, who says, have fun next week at the Conference of Black Popes. Which, okay, was also really, the delivery there was fucking hilarious. I appreciate Garrett Morris more and more, the more I see of him. And I truly wish, like, again, I know we've talked about it on this podcast, too. Like, yeah, fine, he was in Two Broke Girls, but, like, I wish he had had the chance to have, like, a legit career. Not that he didn't have a legit career. I shouldn't say he didn't have a legit career. I'm just saying, like, I wish he had been bigger. I wish racism wasn't a thing. Yeah, no, this was great how he did this. Um, And then... There was sort of like a foil to this a little bit later in Weekend Update with John Belushi. But first we had, for whatever fucking reason, um, a replay of the Puppy Upper Doggy Downer drugs. Okay, cool. I mean, it's not, I suppose it's not the worst thing to replay. Like, fine. It was pretty funny. It was funny, but at the same time, like, that aired this season, correct? I believe so. Okay, if it had aired in season one, I feel like maybe... It's like, all right, I get it. You want people to be exposed to shit. Maybe they're only tuning in now because they've heard people talk about season one and whatnot. Like, at this point, replaying something from season one is almost more defensible than replaying something from season two. And that's how I feel. Yeah, and I mean, this is funny, but it's not, like, outrageously Mm -mm. funny or anything. No, no. It was funny the first time, and the second time, it was like, really? All right, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and then we have John Belushi, who... He was Irish, or... God, I took, like, two notes on this, but... I can't remember the premise. Well, he was... Talking about the luck of the Irish, because, I guess... Um, you know, St. Patrick's Day happened two days before this episode aired. So he was commenting on the phrase look of the Irish and how it's not accurate because it's more like the bad look of the Irish. And he talks about like bombs and the potato famine. And he just starts like really going off and Jane Curtin sitting there and she's looking really uncomfortable. She's like, John, get to the point. Um, he's like, he ends up screaming and kind of yelling at her. Um, and this whole little outburst ends with him falling off his chair. And that was really the end of Weekend I mean, Update. Yeah, I think every time he's been on Weekend Update, he's worked himself into enough of a frenzy that he's, like, clutched his chest and fallen backwards. So it's like, all right, cool. We go into a sketch about, it's called Highway Patrol. And we have Broderick Crawford. I think that was his. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Forgive me. It's not exact. <laughs> Dude, I've never heard of this person, and I don't anticipate ever hearing about them again. Like, it was just a very old, stodgy, old money name. Like, it that was what is. it felt like to me. Um, so it's Highway Patrol, and they're like, oh, there are Siamese twins in a window, And they're threatening to, one of them is threatening to shoot the other. And so they show up at the scene and I'm like, why the fuck is Highway Patrol responding to this? Like, this is a job for like a police department. And also before this, they had this whole little bit where John Belushi played Jack Kerouac, who was in the jail and 
I don't know what why. What the fuck did that have to do with yeah. anything? I kept waiting for that to pay off, and it never did. It was just fucking weird. No, it was so weird. I totally forgot about that because it had absolutely nothing to do with the sketch. Like, I wrote down Jack Kerouac, and then I crossed it off because it never paid off. Like, yeah. It, it, it was, was so fucking random. Like, then they went to the, the Siamese twins for a while, and the solution to the Siamese twins was the Siamese priests, Bill Murray, and, um, uh, who the hell, who the hell is, was it Dan Aykroyd? Um, who's JM? <laughs> JM? Who the hell, who the hell <laughs> was it? <laughs> <laughs> it was Bill Murray. <laughs> oh, John Belushi. I, oh, it was John Belushi. <laughs> okay, it was go- okay. I was gonna ask if he wrote the initials down wrong and if it was John Belushi, but I was like, JM. Maybe it was someone else. I don't fucking know. Oh dear God. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> Bill Murray is um, doing all the talking as the priest. And trying to get Lorraine Newman, the the Siamese twin holding the gun to her sister, her sister's head, um, and as he's talking, he's doing all these hand movements, and then like John Belushi's kind of mimicking the hand movements, which was kind of funny, um, and no, what else were you gonna say? Because mine wasn't. John Belushi and Bill Murray had this whole thing about who could get the gun away from them and well it's gonna be me because I'm the closer one and he's like no it's gonna be me I have the right hand and it was John Belushi but Bill Murray he's like you always get to shake people's hands you have a right hand it was that part was fucking funny um but yeah I I just Jesus what are we doing guys Siamese twins Siamese priests like, I suppose it's funny, but I mean, okay, looking back from nearly 50 years on, I'm like, what are we doing? Then, okay, fine. Maybe funny. Yeah, and then we went back to the Highway Patrol, like, set where we were before, and I kind of had forgotten all about it. I was like, wow, this whole Siamese, twin Siamese priests thing was sort of a sketch within a sketch and I'm not really sure what the hell any of it was all about. Um, yeah, it was yeah, it really was a sketch within a sketch. Yeah. Not sure it deserved that, honestly. Next we had Baba Wawa who was interviewing Godzilla. Um and he's like a film star. And so it was actually a pretty legit interview, like the questions and all that it was kind of funny to see it was i did find it funny that it's like okay they've always mocked barbara walter's like style and her big puffy hair and her accent or her speech like her style of speaking but this time is the first time they've like gone after her interviewing skills and Gilda Radner just kept asking, can I get a bit more personal? Can I get a bit more personal? Which Barbara Walters was fucking notorious for asking in her interviews. And it's like, you're asking someone if you can get a bit more personal when they're on camera. Like, what are they supposed to say? No. Um, 
<clears throat> but she was also famous for act asking people, what's next? What's next for you? Where do you see yourself? Blah, blah, blah. So she asked Godzilla what was next, and he's like, oh, I want to try my hand at directing. And it, I thought that was funny, because it's like every actor wants to fucking direct. Yeah, it was ridiculous. It was really funny. Um, we then had another performance by the RCO All-Stars. This one was sung by Levon Helm. And he, per well, he sang Ain't That a Lot of Love. And I like the song as well. I like that he's a singing drummer. We have that in common. Except I can't sing. I just like to. <laughs> um, the next sketch honestly went a little bit over my head. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. Do you know who J. Edgar Hoover was? Well, yes. Okay. I'm just, I'm just starting at the bottom and I'm working up. I don't want to assume you know who that is. So Richard Nixon and his daughter, Julie, are sneaking into J. Edgar Hoover's house, apartment, whatever. And Julie's like, let me go. And Nixon's like, no, no, he doesn't understand women. It's a pretty well-known fact at this point that J. Edgar Hoover was into men, and he liked to dress in women's clothing. So they were alluding to this in, like, 1977. So good for fucking them, because I think that's hilarious. Um, Nixon then climbs into the bedroom. J. Edgar Hoover, portrayed by Broderick Crawford. Um, he wakes up. And, and the next one is Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, did Nixon say that? Dan Aykroyd. No, I did not. Thank you. Um, and Nixon's like, yeah, you know, we don't want to do random spying. We just want to do spying on, like, you know, foreign people living in different countries that have, that are, you know, Americans living in different countries. And he ends it with Ted Kennedy and Joe Namath. And I'm like, okay, sir, that's funny. People that, you know, he really shouldn't be spying on regardless because he's the president or he was the president. But... Um, Ted Kennedy and Joe Namath. Joe Namath was the quarterback. He won the Jets' only Super Bowl. Like, why? Like, there's no reason to spy on him, and it was fucking hilarious. Um, he also suggested spying on Daniel Ellsberg, Jane Fonda, Ted Kennedy, and Shirley MacLaine. And I'm like, all those people are fine. They're badasses. Whatever. And then something about Nixon said. Ah, my mic just went. Nixon said he's like, oh. I don't know what uh, G. Gordon Liddy was on about. He was saying you were a virgin. And J. Edgar Hoover was like, that's not true. That's ridiculous. He wasn't with men. They weren't yeah, talking about like, men. Yeah. He was just so saying there's like, no way to prove that he's a virgin. It was ridiculous. <laughs> it was ridiculous. And like, okay, I thought it was funny on a political level. Like, it was poking fun at both Nixon and J. Edgar Hoover. But at the same time, it was like, okay, we're kind of beating the dead horse here about, you know, J. Edgar Hoover liking men. We've gotten it all. Um, we had the meters performing My Name Up in Lights to end the show. I fucking liked it. it the music this episode was great. It was pretty solid. Not really my thing, to be honest. But it wasn't. I mean, we've seen worse. Oh, Leo for sure. Sayer a couple weeks back was pretty fucking bad. We've seen some shit shows this season in particular, honestly. What didn't work for you? I'm going to say that 
the cold open did not work for me. It was a horrible way to start off the show, considering the context of everything. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, I, I think that's a solid choice. My didn't works are... Honestly, it's kind of a toss-up between Highway Patrol and Nixon and J. Edgar Hoover. Yeah, Highway Patrol was on my runner-up list because of the whole thing, really. Right. So was it your runner-up? For 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 what didn't work that runner-up. Oh. Um. Oh. Oh. You said it was on your runner-up list, and I was like, really? Okay. Gosh, no. No, there's so many. I know. I was like, I don't know what to say to that. I literally <laughs> didn't even know what to say. Um. All right. So, what was your actual runner-up? I think my actual runner-up was probably Bill Murray. It was tough to choose which one was my better, my runner-up, and which one was my like best for the episode. Mm-hmm. But this one was pretty good. All right, um, I really enjoyed Bill Murray's appeal. Um, my runner-up was Gilda Radner as Nuclear Lucy. Yeah, that was almost mine. I was. I was just like, okay, like, the physical comedy was on point, the timing was great, the impression was great, Dan Aykroyd was great, but, I don't know, it just, like, something about it didn't, I didn't, well, I didn't enjoy it as much as my best, but what was your best? My best would be Garrett Morris reporting from the Black Governor Conference. Okay, all right, nice. It was unexpected for me. It was, yeah, it actually was. That was really fucking solid. And, like, his best update appearance yet. Yeah, and then I like that it led into a punchline for Jane Curtin. Exactly. Yeah, shit, that was really good. My best was Bill Murray's appeal to the audience, to the viewers. I was just, it was funny. It was heartfelt. I was just like, all right, let's see more of you. Yeah, it was great. It really made me really love him. Agreed. Like, I'm, I've been pretty cool with him the past, you know, since he's joined the past, what, four episodes? But this episode, I was like, all right, I'm good with you. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you can find us on all of the podcast platforms wherever you're listening to this right now. Don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, and review. We're on social media. At Sat Night High Pod, night is spelled N-I-T-E on Twitter. We're on Facebook, Reddit, and YouTube as well. Uh, we have a website, satinnighthighpod.com, and you can email us at satinnighthighpod at gmail. But I was saying until tomorrow night, but they'll hear this next week. And that'll be two weeks from then. It's so crazy. Happy highs. Happy highs. Time is fake. <laughs> <laughs>